good morning, everyone. So great to see everyone. Can you still hear me? Okay. Me and this microphone, not the best of friends. We're like still trying to get along. Um, so great to see everyone here this morning. As usual, I'm humbled that I even get to stand before God and talk about God. But for the record, I love talking about God. So I am kind of excited, humbled and excited at the same time. Um, I have to be honest with you guys, when we first started the worship series, I was here, I was sitting here, and I saw what we were doing. My very first thought to myself was, please tell me I am not going to be speaking this month. I thought, there, I, I'm not going to lie, I was afraid. I was afraid I can't do worship any justice. I do not want to talk about it. And I'd scanned my brain really quickly, and no, I had not signed up for the record. And so I felt really comfortable. Well, interestingly enough, that same exact day, I had went home and I got sucked into Running Wild with Bear Gryllis. If you guys haven't seen it, he's this survivalist, and he takes these famous people, and they get dropped off in the middle of nowhere. Well. On this specific Sunday, like Bradley Cooper, can you hear me still? Bradley Cooper was one of the speakers, uh, was one of the adventure guys, Ashton Kutcher, Rob Diggle, and some guy from The Office. Well, I watched it all day on Sunday, and the thing that stuck out to me was that all of them, they had an appreciation of, they attributed a lot of their success to those moments in their life when they had pushed through things that scared them. And being afraid and going through it anyway. Ashton Kutcher, even the bear gorillist, he's the main survivalist guy, he had talked to Ashton Kutcher and he said, it was something along the lines of pushing through, fear, uh, through your fear in spite of your fear of failure. And Ashton Kutcher instantly was like, Failure, he's like, that's a free lesson store. You, you fail, you go in and you get handed out free lessons. He so genuinely said this that you kind of knew that he lived like that. And so I thought that was really interesting. For the record, I do not embrace his attitude. Um, I, if I saw a failure store, I'm going across the street just so it doesn't suck into me. But that's how he felt. So I had been thinking about fear, had a couple conversations with God just thinking about fear. Well, then I got the call from Luke. Hey, what are you doing on June 23rd? And I'm like, I don't have any plans. What am I doing? Want to preach? And I'm like, I, I absolutely, of course I do, but that is not what I felt on the inside. And so I had said, it's so funny that you would ask me that because actually my very first thought was, please tell me that I'm not speaking. And he's, he responded back, and this is so beautiful. Please, Lord, tell me that you are not gonna ask me to do what you're gonna ask me to do. Now, the good news is I had spent four to six hours watching things about fear. So I actually think God primed me for that moment. He's like, you're gonna get asked to do something that scares you. Let's watch Bear Gryllis running wild all day. And so I was a little bit better in that moment. And here's the deal. I'm so glad that he did ask. I'm so grateful for this series because 
I have learned so much about worship. One thing I didn't know that I had done is I, I put worship in a little teeny little box that included three things, singing, raising your hands to God in worship, and for me, I also, thankfulness, I think, is a form of worship. And actually, Dawn just made me think of another one, ties. Thank you for saying that. I forgot that that's a form of worship as well. The thing about my teeny little box that only has three things, it's pretty time restrictive. When it comes to singing and raising my hands in prayer, I'm kind of limited in how often I can actually worship God. I can't go to work all day. Woo, praise you, Jesus. I can't walk around singing all day long. I can't do those things in the grocery store. I do sing a lot, much to the annoyance of everyone around me, but I'm limited mostly to once a week on Sunday coming and fully worshiping God when those are the only things in my worship box. Now, I can't be thankful all the time, acknowledging God for everything that he has done for me, but other than that, I have been very restrictive, and I want to worship God. I love God. I want to worship Him as much as possible. So I'm super grateful that this series has opened me, my mind up to other ways that I can worship my Savior. So far, we've seen worship as an outward expression of our inward reality. It's how we express on the outside what is going on on the inside. We've seen that it's a response to God's grace, God's love, and the work of his salvation. It's how we respond to him. And our responses have been, last week Luke talked about our response in the form of obedience. That's a form of worship. We're responding to our inward reality. And today we're going to talk about trust, specifically trust in the midst of fear and uncertainty. Now, I'm going to do a quick recap of the Israelites' exodus from Egypt. First, we see that the, the Israelites cry out to God from rescue. They're slaves to the Egyptians. They're very oppressed. What does God do? He rescues them. Through a ton of miracles, through plagues, he takes, rescues them out of Egypt. And we see that in Exodus. Then they finally get out. Pharaoh changes his mind. They're running to the Red Sea. And they've got and the, the Egyptian armies behind them. They cry out to God for rescue again. The sea's in front of them. The armies behind them. They cry out to God for rescue. Then they finally, they're in the desert, they're in the wilderness, and they're thirsty. We're thirsty. They cry out to God. What does he do? He provides water. Now I want to share with you um, from Exodus how they're crying out to God. I'm saying they're crying out to God. That's actually pretty kind because really what they're doing is whining and complaining hardcore. This is how they do it. So this is with the water. And the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And, and in another verse, then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, 
Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. That's how they were crying out to God. And they were complaining. It wasn't a, oh, please save me. It wasn't soft. It wasn't a form of a weakness. It was like, what have you done? Why did you bring us out here? So they cry because they're hungry, and they cry because they're thirsty. Well, then Moses goes up to the mountain because God's giving Moses detailed instructions for how they should live as God's holy people. According to scripture, this took about 40 days and 40 nights. And while Moses is up on the mountain, what do the people do? They build a calf to worship, a golden calf. After everything that they had seen God do and deliver them from, they build a calf. Now, it would be very easy to judge them right about now and go, are you crazy? Actually, I would have been scared. I would have been afraid to build a calf and worship something else with all I had seen God do. But they did. And I've often thought as I've read Exodus, how could they possibly think that way? The only thing about that is honestly, I kind of felt the same way about the disciples. When they had walked with Jesus, they had seen him perform a ton of miracles. He, got, he told them he was gonna get crucified on the cross, but he would raise again in three days. And yet, after he got crucified on the cross, they didn't believe him and they were sad. So the thing about that in these two situations is they, they both have something in common. And here's where I join the Israelites and the disciples. I have this in common with them. They were scared. There were things that were going on in their lives and they didn't know what was gonna happen next. They were uncertain about the future. Their inward reality became one of fear. And they allowed their fear to direct their actions. Now, in the case of the disciples, Jesus was no longer physically with them. He thought that Jesus, they thought Jesus was gonna be their savior. They didn't know what was gonna happen next. In the case of the Israelites, Moses had been gone for a very long time up on the mountain. It's not too far of a reach to think that the Israelites believed that Moses was their access to God. And if Moses is gone, what are we going to do? God had provided, he had rescued them. He was providing them food and water. He was meeting their very basic needs. They were scared. I actually got to kind of give it to the disciples and the Israelites because at least their lives were on the line. Me, I, I get scared about far different things. I'm afraid I'm gonna say the wrong thing to a friend. I'm afraid of if I give something up, what will happen if I do? My fears aren't like what their fears were. So I have to stand back a little bit in judgment. As I've shared with many of you, um, after my husband died in 2020, I went on a very dark, dark journey with fear. Fear had so consumed me that fear became 
my go-to response in ridiculous, ridiculous things it had consumed me. I can remember this one time I wanted to go spend the night with my daughter. She was stationed at the Air Force Base. And in order to stay the night with her, I was going to take my dog. Well, I didn't know. I thought they were going to ask me for her shot records. And so I thought, well, I got to find out if she's up to date in her shots. Well, the thing was, she wasn't actually my dog. She actually didn't even like me. She was Ben's dog. And I didn't know. He took care of all the vet care. He took care of everything for her. I was scared. I was like, what, what am I going to do? I can't do it. Um, I, don't, I don't know where she went to the vet. What if I give her shots and she's not supposed to have shots? I don't know what to do. So I finally get that all figured out. But then I have to take her and I'm going to take her in Ben. That was my husband. I'm going to take him in, her, in his truck. Well, what if the oil probably has to be changed? The truck hasn't been driven in a long time. I'm probably going to have to get the oil changed. What if I do it wrong? I whipped myself into a fear frenzy. And I did this a lot during that time. The good news is God showed me what I was doing and he walked me through it. He allowed me to see what I was doing. My point though, I, got, I was afraid over ridiculous things and I'd gotten the habit of being afraid and that became my go-to response. My response, my inward reality was fear. It was not God. And that was definitely a strong indicator of where I was at. Same thing with the Israelites. They allowed their fear to direct their attitude, their actions and their attitudes. They forgot that they could trust God. Now, here's the good news. God knew we were gonna do this. In Ecclesiastics, I love this. God, God tells us, what has been done before will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. The same God that created the Israelites is the God that created the disciples, is the God that created you and I. So he knew we were going to have an issue with trust. The Israelites complained. They didn't trust. They got afraid. We do it all the time. I do it all the time. I can tell you that. I'm getting better. God knew that we were going to do that. Now, I want to introduce yet another definition of worship, and that's the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. So the, inward, the outward expression of our inward reality becomes reverence and adoration. And when it comes to trust, trust is a beautiful thing. I actually think trust was created by God. I think it's a gift that he gave us. It's so beautiful when you have people in your life that you can trust, friends that you can go to and you know they have your back, they won't repeat everything, they're gonna love you unconditionally. You can bring your true self to them. Trust is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And God's word tells us to trust him. In Proverbs, we see, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Trust is another opportunity for us to worship God. We trust him. We give him back this beautiful thing 
that he gave us. And the great thing is that life gives us a ton of opportunities to worship God if we view trust as a form of worship. That adds something to my little box of three things, four things. Now I have obedience, so I'm up to five things in my worship box, and now I'm adding trust. So I can worship God all day long, every day, when trust is a form of worship. Now, I have to tell you guys, I'm a little bit more motivated for obedience and trust when I think that it's something for God. I'm not always very good about doing something just for my own good, but if I think that it's a way that I can worship God, I'm gonna be a little bit more motivated. And I can tell you already, even from last week, in looking at obedience as a form of worship, I I viewed obedience a little bit differently last week, and since I dug into trust as a form of worship, I viewed that a little differently as well. And I want that to be my inward reality. I want it to be trust first, not fear first. Fear is always going to be there. I, I was afraid this morning. I had an opportunity to worship God all morning long because I was scared to be up here. And I was afraid, but I was able to trust God. I was able to trust, hey, you know what you're doing in my life. You've got a reason that I'm doing this. So I, I'm trusting that things are going to be okay. I'm worried that the PowerPoint won't work. Definitely worried that the microwave, the microphone won't work. Um, but I trust. I had an opportunity to practice my trust which became my form of worship. I I spent my whole morning with God, and I've been able to spend it all day long sharing with you. We serve an amazing, beautiful God that deserves our worship. Anything that we can do to worship him, obedience, trust, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I hope that you do it, and I hope that you seek out ways that we can worship him. Because, as we see in John, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So the question for you today becomes, is worship important to you? And that's a question only you can answer. The answer could be, hey, you know what? I actually never thought about that. Then your prayer, you go to God and be like, hey, what do you think about worship, God? Is that something that's important to you? Um, Can you open my mind and my heart to worshiping you more? If the answer is no, same thing. You go to God and you pray to God, hey, God, I have to be honest with you. Worship hasn't really been that big of a deal with me. Um, Can you open my heart to want what you want? If the answer is yes, absolutely, Worship is important to me. Teach me everything that you can possibly teach me and guide me how I can worship you more fully. Those are the questions, but those are the questions only you can answer. And trust is a beautiful way of worshiping our Father. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Jesus,
we love you so much. I Thank you. Thank you that I got to be up here today. Thank you for that calling. Thank you for calling each and every one of us here today just to spend this time with you and getting to know you more. Please lead us and guide us on how we can worship you more to show thanks and gratitude for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name, we love and thank you. Amen.